You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards from Columbus, Ohio. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And for episode 69, I have some bittersweet news. And that's that this will be the next to last episode of Bits and Pieces. Uh, you know this, but the listener probably doesn't unless you already listened to Flipping Tables uh, the day before this gets released. Uh, I've decided to move on from podcasting to focus on some new things. And this is partly just the creative emotional space in my head. The actual podcasting we do doesn't take up that much real world time, especially this show, which is every other week. And I don't do the editing. So I, even you don't though do I do anything, <laughs> you don't I even get to talk. Sh- I just use a mod- voice modifier. <laughs> That's right. I'm actually just you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I've I've kind of made an executive decision that I want to take a step back from podcasting, that I want to put all of my best energy into these things I keep saying I want to do and that I am doing, but that I want to do even more better. And uh, that's a, a mix of music and trying to continue to launch into my newer career of motion and design work. Um, I, I, the more time I get to spend sketching, the more excited I am to see how far I can take my skills there. And I kind of just am, I'm feeling that, that sort of jerk into like a new season of life where I'm like, I'm kind of through this one and it's not for lack of enjoyment. I've really, really been amazed at how fun it is doing the show with you and talking about music and tech and, and all this stuff. Um, but I'm kind of feeling like, that that step back just feels right to me and co- co- combined with that uh, I, I left it up to you and lions and none of my other shows were active anyway anymore so it was really down to flipping tables and bits and pieces um i left it up to you guys if you wanted to replace me to keep the show going in some other format and your decision was uh well i can't replace you and i can't do it alone <laughs> um so, and I can, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with this, uh, this decision. And, uh, it kind of sparked the same kind of thoughts in me. And, um, I probably also feel that, uh, I, I kind of want to move on at the same time. Yes, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss it. Like have just having a podcast in general. I remember, uh, lots of years ago, like, like eight years ago, that was always kind of a dream of mine at least to try it once to, to have such a such an occasion but um yeah it's i mean it's we've when we've finished uh next episode we've gone to 70 episodes and uh ignoring the fact that i mean sometimes you were you were gone we had a guest on or i was gone sometimes um i think we've gone pretty far with this um uh, yeah, uh what, what i've what i've 140 no- some songs yes plus. what i've noticed is that um I, and I can really be honest with that is that just, um, when it comes to music business, music production, and especially with that whole phase, we had somewhere in the middle when none of the two of us were actually producing any music. <laughs> um, it kind of was hard to, to have a show, to have a lot of topics every week, which is why we then opted to do it, uh, on a bi-weekly basis. So every two weeks. Because bi-weekly is uh, strangely... Um, <laughs> it can mean twice a week or twice yes. a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, I kind of felt like, man, it it's not that easy to do after a while. You you kind of have at the at the beginning like a lot of topics you really want to go through and burn through, and then it starts getting like, yeah, do we repeat ourselves here? Have haven't we done yeah. that before? Like, how often have we said, oh yeah, we've talked about this before? I mean, you can always go into more depth later, There's but I kind of felt Kanye like it, story. <laughs> yes, but I kind of felt like it it was getting a little hard. Whereas in in like the technology world, like with flipping tables. You have so much shit to talk about because there's always so much happening where music, it kind of changes very slowly. And all we can yeah. do is like peek into different corners every once in a while. But even then it's music in the Western world usually stays kind of music. Yeah. And the the one thing that was very easy to do every week, picks of the week, uh, mm -hmm. really is five or 10 minutes max. And then we're really yes. scraping the barrel if we try to... You know, I know some people, we'll get to it later, can really pull a lot of content out of reviewing a song, but uh, <laughs> I don't always prefer to stretch that really thin. Yeah. Um, so suffice to say, I'm still going to be producing things. You're still going to be producing things. It's just this podcast won't be one of them. And I mean, never say never. Someday I may come back to podcasting or may have a new idea for a show and I'll be excited to do that. But for now, it just feels right to kind of step back. So episode 70 will be the final episode. It'll be in two weeks from this one and we'll close out the calendar year with it. And we'll probably try to do something special on that episode, whether it's some kind of clip show or, or favorites or whatever topics we wish we had gotten to we'll just play back all our bloopers and commentate them <laughs> that's true we'll just have a big blooper session um as for you know following us as we go then that won't change so much i'm at pseudomichael.com or at pseudomichael on twitter or michaeledwards.bandcamp.com where i'll publish my music and your stuff will and you somewhere. will publish some music that's what i'm really looking forward to. i will uh guaranteed um so that, that'll all happen and hopefully it will happen even better and more quickly as I try to focus my life on creating and not yeah. just talking. Um, um, a little bit more behind the scenes, which is just something I wanted to, uh, bring up is, uh, usually I take a lot of time to edit these episodes. Um, and it usually comes down to, uh, the more I talk during the episode, the more editing I have to do. And now I've finally gotten to the point where last episode I took like five minutes to edit because I just set markers where I knew like, oh, this is where I fucked up big time or this is where like just a long pause happened. Um, whereas before that, I, I kind of did a lot of heavy editing every once in a while. I mean, you know, when I like repeat half a sentence to correct myself, something the audience doesn't get to hear because I edited out magic. Um, <laughs> and now I'm down to editing an episode in five minutes. We're stopping. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so quick. You have all the presets. You just need to adjust the input gain of whatever random ass volume I give you something at, probably. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you have a software-based thing that lines up the Skype, my track to your Skype recording? You mean like uh, timing-wise? Yeah. No, I usually I look at the intro where one of us does the whole intro and the other just says his name and I find that little valley and put it in there and that's it i i remember like talking to lions about that like yeah i i sync those two manually he's like what you sync them manually yeah i mean it's just one part that you put there and then it's all synced <laughs> and uh, apparently you two never had that luxury because of his weird skype connection <laughs> 
Uh, usually I have to, you know, do a sample every few minutes of audio to make sure what? Um, it, it's not wildly drifted. That had um, never happened for us on this episode. <laughs> and I think it's overplayed how much it happens to us, but it does happen <laughs> sometimes. Um, I mean, most of flipping tables to not to do too much inside baseball, it's really more long response, long reply, and it's not really a big deal if there's a slight gap between the two of us talking, yeah. especially because most of the podcast apps will cut that gap for you in playback. <laughs> the editors are becoming real time. Um, we got some follow up here. Tell me about this yes. Martin Shkreli thing. <laughs> I think Martin Shkreli was a topic last time because um, after after the 2016 election, he actually kind of released the Wu-Tang Clan album. And um, in the meanwhile, also the game Watch Dogs 2 has released. And he's actually the focus of one of the side quests or a character that put like a likeness of him um, is is part of that. And we're just linking in, in the show notes uh, on sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 69. You can find a link to the video where the guy actually watches the mission about himself. It's, it, it isn't really that uh, exciting of a side quest. It's just like a little nod to the guy. And uh, you also put down a quote here. Like what, what did he say after, after the mission was done? Oh, pretty lame, but I'm happy I'm in a video game. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what I find interesting, like, he actually kind of looks like that. So if you didn't tell me who that was, <laughs> um, you can really easily identify him as that dude. Yeah. And in the game, they just basically make a huge donation to leukemia research mm -hmm. in his name. In the game is the little troll thing they do with his bank yes. account. <laughs> he was just, he just looked bored and like trying really hard to be like unfazed by it it kind of <laughs> looked like i'm super not i'm not even mad slightly um, um another follow-up in the sense of we got a uh we, we at least talked about this once i believe so so i categorize it as follow-up um the instrument called automatone which typically sounds horrible like you've probably all seen this video of them playing uh green sleeves And it just sounds awful. But apparently people can actually play those things. And so also in the show notes, you can find a uh, video of somebody playing the Super Smash Bros. Melee opening on one of those automatons. Like, um, uh, you got like picture in picture of like multiple lines of that. And yeah, it does. It, it can sound good if you play it correctly. I think it just comes down to the fact that there is no fretboard. So, uh, you really have to play in tune, uh, to, to get this thing to sound good and i use good loosely because the tone this thing produced still is like uh send it through some effects maybe then we can talk yeah uh it's, it seems like a very limited kind of instrument that's useful when it's a popular meme and then will kind of fade into obscurity immediately <laughs> yeah and talking about memes um Earlier this year, in, in March, when I visited you guys, we had this one magical evening that's this kind of evenings you have that will never, <laughs> ever be repeated, where we just sat in your living room, uh, the, the three of us, Benji, you and me, uh, editing YouTube haiku videos of um, Tim Allen grunts and Tim Allen <laughs> um, home improvement <laughs> memes onto video games and other kinds of media. And since then, it kind of was barren in the world of YouTube haikus from from us. 
And uh, recently I watched a bunch of videos on the software synth Serum. And there was this, this instant in, in one of, in one of those demonstrations where I couldn't help but laugh, where he kind of demonstrated a, a chaos algorithm, basically an LFO that modulates things, but it's very unpredictable, very random, but like in a cha very chaotic way. And just to demonstrate, um, how chaotic it is, he basically mapped it to the pitch of the synth. So that's the easiest way to follow what it's doing. Like you can hear how the pitch is shifting. Yeah. And he gives this very stern look to, uh, to the other guy from, from the YouTube <laughs> channel, like looking like this is the craziest shit you've ever heard. Right. And I, it was like <laughs> three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was watching this. I was laughing out loud. And so I took a bunch of moments from that and made a YouTube haiku also from like another moment. I'm just going to link to, to my little playlist on YouTube and, uh, so I, I was still laughing in the morning after I've edited the video. And um just as a side note, we all know that Reddit, Re that Reddit can be a very fickle thing. Um Sometimes you post something, it gets a downvote immediately. No one's going to ever see it. And then every once in a while you get lucky and I did and you hit like 5,000 upvotes. The video by now has gotten 61,000 views and it's like... Uh, you put so much effort into actual art, into the music you produce over the span of like a few years sometimes. But this one video that I have edited for like 20 minutes, that's what's the most popular thing on the channel now. You don't get to choose what you're famous no, for. No, no. <laughs> and the sad thing is like the way YouTube Haiku and people watching from Reddit works is like they rarely click through to your channel. So... I got barely any subscribers or people like then checking out my music. Yeah. A few did, but I mean, it, it wasn't the point of me doing it. It wasn't like, Oh yeah, let me exploit this way of getting my music heard. It was just like a stupid thing I did and I wanted to pre present it to some people, but I wouldn't have thought it would take up that much. And again, uh, <laughs> holy shit. Why can't my actual music get that kind of recognition? <laughs> Seriously, uh, we'll have to definitely include the Tim Allen Grunt playlist too, which someday, like all of our passion projects, we will <laughs> add to as we think of new things. And that's a meme also that I think deserves to have its day in the sun. It's I will the, bring the it largest. Back. We got you know twenty thousand plus on the initial uh, batch, a Twilight Princess, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the other ones, you know, hovered around a thousand or a couple thousand and then it just fizzled out immediately. And you're just like, oh, you're on the cusp of greatness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I will continue doing YouTube haikus. I will now just have an open mind when I watch those videos. Like I want to, I want to stay music themed. So yesterday I uploaded one with Tim Exiles Flash and, uh, which, uh, has even gotten, uh, approval by Tim himself. Like I messaged him with the video and he liked it. So, um, uh, yeah, I will probably keep doing, doing those. I'll add those to the playlist as well. Sounds great. So you have a gig report. You went to a show recently. I did. Yeah. Very spontaneous thing. So I posted this stupid video on Facebook and tagged a bunch of friends that I know produce music. And one of them, um, he's, he's from Bavaria. So like the Southern part of Germany, um, who actually messaged me back when we released our first album and was like, Hey, you, you want to like actually record this thing in my studio to make it sound good? Which, yeah, he had a point. Like it doesn't sound good. Um, but kind of I said, <laughs> no, we don't have the money. It's like not in our plan right now, but 
we stayed in contact. And so he kind of messaged me like, hey, you live in this area, right? We're playing a concert tomorrow, uh, which is probably very close to you. It was like 45-minute drive. And I said, yes. And so the band that was playing was called Adolescents. Um, not Adolescents, Adolescents. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the the opener was like lovers, which is the the dude who uh, messaged me. Um, and what was very special about this gig? So they they did it in a rehearsal space of a, a band of a friend of those uh, of of the producer. Um, they kind of had like three open days in their Germany tour, so they kind of felt like, hey, instead of doing nothing, let's play in this rehearsal space, invite a bunch of people. In the end, like twenty to twenty five came. Uh, but what was very special about the whole tour is they partnered with um, a company called Silent Events. And so instead of having a huge PA and like everybody's staying in this like typical, uh, we've got a stage here and this is where the audience is and there's a barricade between that or just there's a stage in general. None of that was present. You got headphones, like wireless 3D headphones and um the whole mix was just played over the headphones like they had a subwoofer in the room because obviously those headphones can't make you feel uh like lower frequencies and um i mean all headphones like stop at a certain point with bass frequencies like they had a sub in the room so if you took the headphones off or turned them down you could hear like very low rumble you could obviously hear a little bit of the drums which were very muted like he used triggers uh, a little bit of the bass, but in general, like turning the music up on your headphones was presenting you with this huge, wide soundscape. And I have to say, this was definitely the best sound I've ever had on any concert I've ever visited. And I would love to attend any kind of concert like that again. Actually, like, I don't even want to go to regular concerts anymore. Um, next, next year, I already have, <laughs> I already have tickets for Deepesh Mode in, I think, June or July. Um, it's going to be in the stadium here in our, in our city. And I already feel like, yeah, I would kind of like just have those headphones because <laughs> the sound's going to be awesome on those. So, uh, it was just very cozy gig, like very uh, comfortable seating. Um, it wasn't too loud because you could turn it up the, as much as you wanted or as little as you wanted. Um, very friendly people. Um, we're going to talk about them later because spoiler alert, they are my pick of the week. Um, so it was very great gig. I'm very happy that I went and, uh, please more of those silent events. I, I can see myself whenever I go on tour or play gigs again, ever with my current setup, I will try to figure out if I can make it work with those. Well, I kind of love that idea of just the, the fact that they hand out these headphones to enhance the live experience. Like that's a really interesting idea for, any like any even like a huge show from your most favorite artist it's like i'm going to do something interesting we don't just have state-of-the-art you know stacks of speakers at the front but we also have elements that will come through the headphones and like you know this is a premium gig so maybe it costs a little more but you, you really are invested in you know the flaming lips has decided to do some crazy experiment and the show is not just uh, their music it's where you're sitting in the show or where you move around in the crowd and yeah. um, there's so much that you could ex extend from this i bet yeah just being able to move around anywhere and always having great sound like you could go to the toilet during the gig and you don't miss anything <laughs> that's precious to me it always comes back to can you enjoy it on the toilet yes 
So yeah, I've linked to uh, the band Adolescents and Like Lovers, the opener, as well as this company called Silent Events. Uh, they all don't only do uh, music, but they also do like other kinds of events. Um, do check it out. It's, uh, I believe, a very great concept. Tremendous concept. Another interesting piece of news, and this is from an, you know one of my most favorite artists. It's no secret, Sufjan Stevens. Uh, apparently, someone who lived next to his studio in Brooklyn uh, noticed that uh, he was dumping a bunch of stuff in the dumpster one day, <laughs> and decided to go dumpster diving and found an unreleased album from the '90s. Which, if you follow Sufjan, he didn't really start releasing stuff until 2000 or so. Um, collecting a bunch of songs and doing an album called A Sun Came. But there apparently he he tried out a concept album about a stalker and the album's called Stalker and it has a whole bunch of ridiculous song titles that are um as playful as most of his albums are with song titles. Um but there's some you know, the story seems to have some credence um, so this was a Redditor that posted about it. And, uh, you know, he said one day while he was renovating the place, he threw a bunch of stuff in the dumpster. I salvaged this as far as I know. I don't think it's ever been released, which to my knowledge, it isn't something I'd ever heard of before. Um, to their credit, Asthmatic Kitty, the label Sufjan's on, uh, had a really awesome indie label response. So first off, they said, you've received a special gift. You're hearing something only a few people have heard. And like any great musician, Sufjan writes a ton of music and releases almost none of it. And sometimes you just have to trust him for why he didn't release it. Um, but they also made it clear they're not going to issue any legal action against this person and kind of just pleaded on a personal level like... Hey, he chose not to release release this. Please don't release it. <laughs> and I mean, I know the the long arm of history is this thing will be out. Yeah, <laughs> sooner or later, Martin Shkreli will get his hands on this thing. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, it's always nice to see a label realize they have no control and also just be a good guy and just be like, hey, come on, just enjoy what you have, and <laughs> we're not going to sue you or something. But just be a good guy. But I want to read some of these song titles. Uh, yeah, supposedly I, I just on check this. them out. <laughs> uh, I know where your kids go to school. Uh, heavily, you know, using alternate spellings. You can run, but you can't hide. Like every single word is is wrong. Um, gonna rock you like a hailstorm. <laughs> um, let's see. Keep all the mace inside. <laughs> loneliness is a warm bun <laughs> no ridiculous. more Mr. And nice you, guy <laughs> I feel bad about laughing me, about this <laughs> it was clearly going to be a very from a very creepy pers- perspective which you know he's sort of featured in a few songs here and there later in his catalog there's one about John Wayne Gacy on the Illinois album that is super creepy uh, about the serial killer from Illinois um, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear what this is, but I also am, am on the side of like, you know what? He didn't want to release it. You should like, you should respect that. Yeah. Like, let him put out what he wants to put out. Uh, we'll see if that happens though. If it if it gets leaked, I will probably listen to it. So I will be double <laughs> two faced about that. I would certainly never want that anybody gets a hold of my demos, especially those that I've like recorded on my phone, where I just play guitar and like hum along trying to find a tune. Um, yeah. On one hand, nobody will ever want to hear those. And on the other hand, I just really don't want anyone to ever hear those. So I, yeah. I, I can understand. Um, and with our next topic, so I found this, uh, 
video on, I believe, our mealtime videos, which is a sub I frequent for when I eat lunch at home in front of my computer, like the lonely person I am sometimes, and uh, need to watch a video video that's like 10 minutes or longer. And so um, when I read the title, I felt like, oh, I should probably send this to Mike because it, this video uses car seat headrest as an example for, um, yeah, It, it's basically about writing lyrics and how to like catch uh, a listener's attention or like make him feel identified or like just writing uh, catchy music, but not catchy in the sense of like, uh, oh, this this tune sounds catchy, but like something that, uh, yeah, as I said, like people can maybe identify with that. That's just a great tune that captivates you. Maybe captivating, that's the better word. Um, but you had, so I, I kind of watched this neutrally. <laughs> I'm not really invested a lot in car seat headrests. So lots of the examples he gave, I kind of didn't have a lot of context for. So I didn't know if this guy was talking out of his ass or if he was really making a lot of <laughs> profound statements. I just felt like, Hey, this is another thing that I can probably have in my lyrics writing toolbox. And so you being in generally a little <laughs> bit better when it comes to lyrics and, uh, also knowing the band, odd guy behind the band um you had a lot of criticism about this and so go ahead yeah i would start off with an aphorism that may actually kind of be an indictment of this podcast itself which is that talking about music is like dancing about architecture and what that quote kind of gets at is at a certain point using words to describe the art form of music may may run out of its usefulness. And that's sort of a guiding like view that, I, you know, maybe again, maybe is a critique of this podcast in its entirety, but nonetheless, um, I, I don't think it actually means we shouldn't have this podcast. Um, but this video, um, I, I do have an English minor. I spent some time dipping my head into literary criticism and theories and, and different ways of encountering a text. And I think it applies a lot to the way this guy approaches lyrics and music. And I felt this video was a, a lot of like freshmen in college, kind of like, listen to this happy song that has sad words. Isn't that interesting? And it just felt a, a little bit, um, I don't know, overboard on a very singular thread. And so a lot of his thesis seems to be that he really likes very personal lyrics that are very confessional. And he found an earlier Car Seat Headrest album had very unique personal reflections. And their newer album uh, did not take that confessional route. It was a different approach lyrically that he did not prefer. And I think where I differ is not necessarily whether this video is wrong about that difference, but more that he seemed to call for the former is better than the latter, just as a matter, like in some sort of objective sense. And so um, I, I think music can be very, very personal. It can be very confessional. People really like music that's that way but that's just one kind of music to me and i think your project in music it can be a bunch of you know very self-effacing self-reflection but it can also be your craftsmanship you're really interested in showing off a fine piece of work and it's not your 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 statement on love or acceptance in the world or any of these things it's look at this very beautiful thing i made and it's exhibiting all these different you know artistic strengths that may have nothing to do with emotions um 
And so that's sort of my very high-minded critique of this video is it's it's a deep dive into one very specific perspective on lyrics that I I come away going, well, because his music didn't satisfy this one axe you have to grind about personal lyrics, um, doesn't feel like the strongest critique to me. Um, so that's kind of where I came from it is... Uh, he, he really heavily favors confessional, personal sources of music. And I'm not sure that makes something better or worse, but it definitely speaks to what he prefers. So, yeah. um, he's obviously entitled to that opinion and that preference. And I think a, a lot of his argument really comes down to that. I, I kind of got the feeling that, so he was listening to the new album and, uh, just kind of didn't feel it, which, happens all the time it happens all the time to me where i listen to an artist for a few albums and then they bring out a new album and it's like no kind of doesn't do it for me for some reason and he kind of was like looking for that reason and hooked onto the lyrics and basically once you have an idea in mind you can always find evidence to support that claim um i haven't listened to both albums i cannot compare them on a musical level i um i on a technical level maybe so There can be a lot of other variables and factors or just maybe that that person uh, who gave the critique kind of moved on maybe a little bit. So there could be a lot of reasons and they kind of hooked onto the lyrics thing. And I can there are probably a lot of other reasons as well why they might dislike the new album for whatever reason or maybe why they're not just here listening to it oh. over and over again. Maybe it's also nostalgia, which I know from myself. Sometimes it's just nostalgia for the old albums that keeps me from really le having the new ones grow on me. Yeah, I think part of my disdain is maybe a little overboard. Like, I don't want to make this guy feel no, bad no, I'm, I'm that he either. made a thing he's <laughs> passionate about. Um, but I, I feel like there's a relationship between like criticism and then the original act of creation that I am very sensitive to maintaining some kind of balance to um, that. You know, there, there's a C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote a whole book on experiment and criticism, but he talks about like, if I have the choice of reading Chaucer or reading all the critics of Chaucer, that it's, I don't even remember how you pronounce Chaucer, but uh, uh, that it's better to read the original thing than to just read all the critics that, uh, you know, it's sort of like there's the echo after the thing. And uh, like, if you had to choose one or the other, choose the original. Um, obviously, you might be enriched by reading critics that help you see things you didn't notice or give you a different perspective on something. And on some level, we're all having our critical reaction that is unique because of who we are and what we bring to the thing. But um, it's sort of like, I wouldn't want... If, if I was car seat headrest, I would probably feel pretty conflicted that... You know, it's an, an honor that someone wants to examine your work so deeply, but it's also conflicting because it's, you sort of realize that it's not really yours anymore. And I know this is sort of an artist realization when you make something, it becomes this other cultural thing sometimes, but it's like, I made something and then now you've spent more time dissecting it than maybe even I spent making it. <laughs> and there's, there's kind of a tug of war going on. And so I'm always sensitive to like, music is a thing and spending more time talking about it than listening and doing it um, would start to concern me or, or make me, you know, says the guy with the music podcast again. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, 
I guess I always come back to that quote, talking about yeah. music's like dancing about architecture. <laughs> But then again, we rarely spend time heavily critiquing music on the show. I think we talk, we, we've That's always true. talked a lot about uh, what's happening around the music more than uh, the, the product that, like creating the music. That's what we also talked about a lot. But the actual product, we rarely did that. And usually uh, also with a disclaimer of, okay, this is now subjective personal opinion, what you're about to hear. And so as our last topic before our picks of the week, um, I found this video of a new kind of modular MIDI controller system by Special Waves, and they're called Mine and uh, Mine S for the smaller one. And it's basically you have this base, which is um, kind of like rectangular thing with a lot of like electrical contacts on it. And then you can place like modules on this. Then some of those modules are like just faders, buttons. Um, they will like bring out some more LEDs. I've, I think I've seen potentiometers and encoders, just like knobs and buttons you would see on a controller. But instead of having a prefabricated MIDI controller device, now you can kind of build your own with this uh, Lego-like system and um, then just configure it in an editor to say this fader and this button should send this MIDI signal. And yeah, there you go. Now you can build your own um, MIDI controller. And before I move on with this, they are not the first to do this. This is just what I found this week <laughs> and found interesting. And they kind of have a, a good looking design. Like it looks very sleek. It kind of looks too sleek to me, like too designed, which uh, is usually happening when you want to charge a lot of money for those things. Um, <laughs> and I, there is no price anywhere on their website. So I believe it's still kind of in development. Maybe they're going to come out with a Kickstarter sooner or later. Um, but just this idea in general, I kind of enjoy, but it always comes, comes down to the same problem. Um, because rarely is there one device which does exactly what you want to do. I, I'm in, I have this problem all the time when I'm working on my improvisation machine here, which is, um, basically every time I try to build a new feature into it, I kind of, uh, contemplate getting a new MIDI controller again and that can't be the solution for everything so i would love to be able to pick and choose exactly what i have in front of me and um or you just buy something yeah. that's so over leveled yeah 70 million knobs yeah and, and totally <laughs> expensive you can totally get that and just use like a small slice of that's of those features but then you're going to spend a lot of money for stuff you don't use maybe later yeah. down the line but you don't know yet so having something that can grow like uh, buying the mine and then maybe just filling like three quarters of, of this thing and then like having ways to expand it's it's kind of great but again price once you go to uh, having a bespoke midi controller you will again pay a lot of money at the same time if one of those modules bre breaks You can just buy a new fader or a new encoder, whatever that is that just broke. If one of my MIDI control controllers break and I don't have warranty on those, I'm going to have to buy the whole thing again, which also sucks. And it's kind of the reason why I'm still a desktop PC person. Like, I don't enjoy buying a laptop because I want to have something that I can fix myself or at least replace a small part of it myself for a fraction of the cost uh, of the whole thing. And that whole laptop market has gone unanimously towards specialized boxes yeah. that you can't really open. And I really don't like that. Um, yeah, and kind of MIDI controllers are the same way. Maybe there will be more options in this kind of modular fashion in the future. 
So I really like this, but it's always kind of inversely proportional to the price you have to pay to get it. So I probably wouldn't get it as a hobbyist unless I have a lot of cash to throw around, which I don't. Um, maybe if I was getting more serious and, uh, I can see some, somebody like Temexile using some of this to, to buy it. Like he, he's building his own software. He might as well build his own controllers that way. And it's still like cheaper and more time, time efficient than building this whole thing yourself out of like really basic electrical components, which probably very few people would do. Um, now this thing, I mean, there can, I, I'm not an electrical engineer. I don't know how uh, valid those concerns are, but seeing like those contacts, like in the open, if you don't have a module placed on it, I can <laughs> easily see those deteriorate over time. Again, if it's in the modular component, you can get a new one. If it's in the base, Maybe you can replace like a single connector. Maybe you will have to just leave that spot open in the future. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't have the knowledge to really critique that part of the engineering. Um, but what it kind of also sparked in me was the thought that, Hey, why, why don't we do this in like a, uh, a virtual realm on, on a touch screen with an app? And lo and behold, it exists and it's cut, uh, called Touch OSC. <laughs> and I've kind of read the name yeah. before, but I never delved into it. Uh, one of the reasons being like, I don't have a tablet anyway, and I'm not going to start doing things on my phone. The screen is too small. I'm not going to invest time in controlling this little thing here. Does it make you want to get a big tablet kind though? Of, or, you know, like a kind of, or something? Yeah. Um, so what it is, is basically this modular MIDI concept on a uh, tablet and you can place your own controls you can tell them what kind of uh, uh, messages to send out what i also hope or would wish for is like to have at least basic scriptical uh, scriptable logic like hey if i hit this button here button a uh, make button b unavailable because in this context it doesn't make sense to have this button or make a certain <laughs> controller do something else so it's like scene yeah like com like pagination and yeah scenes so um i mean you can already do like scenes on this thing you just scroll through them but just having basic scriptable things like hey if i turn this on i want all these other things to happen as well on the controller um, yeah. which probably wouldn't be too yeah if i drag this up also drag right, this right. knob up at maybe a 50 percent the amount i drag yeah. this one all over. you gotta i mean this thing probably has like some kind of scripting layer in there anyway you just have to expose that and uh let me write scripts for it yeah so, well they also make what's called the touch osc bridge which is a windows and mac app if you just want it to talk to any mini yeah. capable app on your system so um they they kind of give you some of those programmer level stuff. I also just checked their iOS app was updated September this year, uh -huh. so they're still actively developing it. Um, there's an Android app too. I dabbled with it a couple years ago. Really, I just hooked it up and showed that I could play Logic <laughs> Instruments from my iPad, and then I never did anything else with it. Um, but that was back in the Genetic Engine days. I was pondering uh, as an option to do some sounds, um, but I never used it. But yeah, I, it does seem like the software version of this exists. I know sometimes tactile feel of hardware controls is still highly yes. preferred, especially if you're in a, a live performance setting where you want to be able to do lots of stuff without looking too closely at your hands. Um, 
touch is just never going to quite be yeah. as nice as an actual fader or knob or button. I could see myself using this kind of virtual thing for the more complex things where usually I would have to like do multiple things on my controller. I just want to be able to touch one button. And in that case, I can live with the fact that I briefly have to look down to make sure I'm hitting the right button because I only have to hit it once at the right moment and not like feel for yeah. the right setting. Um, this, like macro controls in general. Like I have, I, I want to think more on a macro level anyway when I'm improvising. I don't want to dive into, oh, I want to set this oscillator to exactly this, this setting. Like I want to, I want to yeah. think on melody level and I want to hit this effect. So I can see myself, or I could see myself using, uh, it for that. Maybe I'm just going to borrow Lars's iPad mini and, uh, keep it here yeah. for a few weeks and play around with that thing. Well, and that's the nice thing is I'm sure this app runs great on even two or three yeah, year old. It doesn't iPads. have to do so a lot. Even if you, yeah. even if you wanted to pick up some kind of refurbished old two, two years back version, uh, I don't think it would be a problem for yeah. performance. I just always, when I, when I see those, I, I watched a few uh, demonstration videos on YouTube. What, yeah, I mean, tactile feel, that's one thing. But what I really don't enjoy is when I see like them dragging the finger across and then this huge delay, this latency between when the fader actually moves. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, is that, is that just the display or can I hear, can I hear Especially the effect music, before that? Man. Yeah, I want to dial it in. If I, if I just have to look down to touch the right area and then move and I hear the change immediately, that's fine. If uh, there is even a slight delay, I can't live with that. That's, it's, Pretty much useless yeah. at that point. Well, and I'm I'm sure some of the latency is Wi-Fi, probably. You know, connecting between your iPad and whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, I'm maybe, maybe well, I'm going to cool. check it out. Um, but in general, I'm I'm already again looking to uh, maybe get a new MIDI controller, uh, specifically one for drum pads for like drum sampling. Um, I've so far been using my um, launch pad which isn't pressure sensitive. So there's only like one velocity I can play it. And for drums, that can be a problem. So maybe I'm soon gonna fill up my very last um, USB slot on my USB hub, um, the ninth one <laughs> with a ninth controller. And that's then gonna be it. You're not daisy chaining to the full 127 devices I or could, whatever. <laughs> but not yet, no. <laughs> I'm sure there wouldn't be a performance hit. <laughs> Picks of the week. Let's get to our picks of the week. Yes. All right. I can go first. My pick of the week was a one of the more abstract tracks from a group called Hypoluxo. And the track's called If Language. It's a very dreamy, floaty thing that has basically no percussion uh, and is, is all this very lazy melody over some chord changes. But what really hooked me on it is just the way it swells over time as it goes. So let's just play a sample of If Language. I wish I could talk. Filter sweep. 
<laughs> this is the kind of track that would go on a sleep playlist for me <laughs> in a good way. Uh, it's just, you know, it came up on, you know, my discover list and it just hit at the right time where I was just like dreamily floated away with it. And so that, that made it my pick. Yeah. What did you make of this? So I gotta admit, I had a hard time getting into it at first, uh, because the vocals really weren't my cup of tea. Um, I did appreciate this, this whole swelling and floatiness though. And now hearing it for the first time on the headphones, I kind of heard a few more details like that filter sweep a little bit better. And, uh, I did check out a few of the other tracks on the album because I had a little bit of time before the recording and I actually like really like those. Um, there was like, let, let me quickly, <laughs> I don't have Spotify up more anymore. Um, something, I believe something, something had in the sand, uh, kind of in the middle of the album. I kind of like that one. Uh, so I would then assume that this song probably makes a lot more sense in the context of the whole album because it is the closer. It's the last track. So maybe I will give it another shot after listening through the whole thing. But I do agree, like, this is kind of like to dream away, to float away. Um, something I usually have trouble with, like, just relaxing, meditating. So maybe that will, I'll add that to the playlist that I use to relax as well. Yeah, maybe the other kind of playlist I would call is study music. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> if you're still in school somehow or working on something. Yeah, somehow still in school. So what was your pick of the week? <laughs> My pick of the week, as uh, previously mentioned, is Adolescence, um, with the track Y, uh, W Y E T, Would You Ever Try? Um, so I've linked in, in the show notes to the Ghost City recording sessions to kind of like make a roundabout way to also include, uh, Jan. So like lovers, the producer. Um, so this band in general, like they, they do kind of electro rock and, in general, after after this, after attending the gig, I felt like the future of electronic rock is in good hands uh, because of kind of like uh, distance, not distance, but I've kind of gotten out of the game after the Astray went on indefinite hiatus. And so I felt very good attending a gig of a band that basically did what I always try to do, um, albeit in <laughs> definitely different ways. Like that songs don't really sound that much like mine, but then again, they do. Uh, I've like, I've noticed differences, but just the whole, um, attitude of going at it. Like I saw them with their guitar effects and their synthesizers and their arpeggios and just the whole setup. I really enjoyed it. Um, also want to mention that the drummer is actually the main vocalist and he did a great job. Uh, so like I was mainly watching the guy drum a lot, very complex rhythms while perfectly singing with also on a technical level, interesting, great sounding microphone. Like as a, as a drummer, you have to have a great microphone right up like in your throat, yeah, basically rejection. to, to get a good sound. And it, I mean, I had headphones on, I could hear any mistake that would happen or any bleed and it really sounded great. So, um, yeah, the song has great dynamics and, uh, just here's a little snippet of W Y E T.
and that arpeggio plays throughout the whole song, but it's always like slightly modulated, and I, I like that. <laughs> so, what did you think of the song? This sounded very much to me like a song you would like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know the elements, the the use of synths and arpeggios, and the guitar was used in a couple different ways as either a lead line or just as more texture, kind of a. Uh, distorted but not overly overdriven uh, kind of texture and um, to me the song uh, kind of like your reaction to my song the vocals were the least interesting part to me um, the vocals weren't bad they, they were perfectly appropriate to the genre as far as I would say um, but I was way more hooked into the rhythm and the repetition of stuff than the actual singing itself um, the, my favorite part of the song is when they kind of let loose for the last minute or so. I actually wish they did that longer. Uh, and you could, you could double that part and I don't think anyone would be mad. And, uh, you know, that's, they really let it build up as we're so fond of describing in our picks of the week. Uh, so I enjoyed and it. It. it is one of those songs where I think the rhythm is kind of interesting. Like I noted down here this the question I've posed many times, which is, is this 6-8 or is it 4-4? Four, four? Where really what I mean is, uh, yes, you can interchange them. I basically mean like what is pronounced, like which part of the beat is actually the one yeah. that is pronounced. And when you just hear the... Uh, the arpeggio and the vocals you don't know until the drum set in that's where you're like ah oh, this is the way i have to dance now <laughs> yeah all right well thank you so much for listening to the next to last episode of bits and pieces uh as always you can find our show notes on sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 69 and uh, we have a link to our spotify playlist where we collect these picks of the week uh, into one giant playlist so you can if you're looking for some new music you can just shuffle that playlist and see what we're adding every single episode uh, you know you may not need to subscribe since there's only <laughs> one more episode but if you'd like you can use the links on our website or just search for bits and pieces or sunrise robot um, the added you know benefit of this is you can get our back catalog of all 70 as of next episode uh, episodes that we've done uh, me and Matt love feedback. We're both on Twitter. Even after this podcast is dead, we wouldn't mind hearing from you if you discovered some of these episodes. If you go to at pseudo Michael, uh, that's my twitter.com slash pseudo Michael. S-U-D-O Michael. Matt, what's your Twitter handle? At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And as we wind down the show, I want to give a huge thanks to our Patreon sponsors who have been amazing uh, all along the way in making this show possible. Uh, special thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. We love you so much. Thank you so much. We'll see you next episode. Bye.